0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Listen. Let me show you how we kicking it listen up my cleats to chase a goal Being like Beckham but we never fold Let me show you how we kicking it Baby you ain't working how we working Scoring like a 10 up on my jersey Let me show you how we kicking it Stay up in the field we going hard Pray we never see a yellow card Let me show you how we kicking it So if you can plant it to the ground Well go ahead and put your hands down Let me show you how we kicking it
0: What is up you guys my name is Jess Lazo and you are kicking it with me on the Women's College Soccer Podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Welcome to episode 13 of the podcast. Today I wanted to discuss the importance of maintaining your physical strength while you might be home during your winter or summer breaks away from your team. While you are doing the prescribed fitness packets during your breaks, it's also crucial to keep up with your weight training as well. That being said, I wanted to bring my trainer of seven years, Chase Cameron, owner of Chase and Cameron Performance, onto the show today to provide a clear understanding of the importance behind weight training during your offseason and how his role as a strength trainer has helped athletes like myself become physically and mentally prepared for the upcoming season. Without further ado, I want to introduce Chase onto the show. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Chase.
1: Uh, Jess, thank you so much for having me. I've been listening to the podcast. I know your dad's been sending me a couple episodes, and uh, I just think you're doing a tremendous job with the podcast, and I'm so excited to be a part of this
0: today. Thank you so much. I mean, it's so excited to actually finally have you on the show.
1: Yeah, 13 episodes deep. Look at it. Let's go.
0: I know. Crazy. Um, so my first question for you is just a general question, how significant is strength training as a college athlete?
1: I mean, it's it's really no secret at this point in time, if you're a college athlete, you've been around strength coaches, whether that's high school or even earlier for a lot of these athletes these days. I'm 35, so when when I was growing up, even in high school, we didn't have access to a lot of the private facilities, which is where you and I, of course, first started working together um but now you guys have access to it so it's really it's really kind of common knowledge the importance of you know physical training and preparedness for a sports season and uh you know for for us right now in a weird time of COVID there's just so much indecisiveness and uncertainty about where we can where athletes can go Mm -hmm. um in terms of just preparing their bodies and what is are we going to have season or are we not are we going to have access to certain amenities that we normally have access to like trainers and athletic trainers and so on and so forth um so you know if you're not kind of prioritizing it yourself to stay physically active then you're you're falling behind and you're putting yourself in a potentially dangerous position when things do resume with your team from going to not a lot of activity to activity now fortunately even just the sport coaches are knowledgeable enough that you can't just do that these days. Mm -hmm. And you need to give them a grace period to segue condition back in your bodies so that you don't get hurt. Um, But that's the risk that you run, of course, when we have these weird times coupled with inactivity and then you go back into activity. So um, strength and conditioning from a health standpoint is so important. And then you can start talking about, of course, performance goals, right? Running faster, jumping higher, and at the elite levels like division 1 collegiate sports or professional sports or olympic sports those are big deals because that 10th of a second improvement on your speed time or your change of direction and your decision making can be the difference between you winning a 50-50 ball or not right you positioning yourself to get a header in the goal and and making a starting lineup or making the team right moving on to the next level so Although we play a small role when you think about the entirety of what you guys do, because sport, the sport itself is number one priority, of course, no doubt about it. Your skill has to be there. But assuming that that skill is equal to others, the person that's taking care of their bodies and getting better physically is gonna be the person who has that advantage and has that edge. So it does play a role, small role, but it does play a critical role in your guys' health development and success.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned, like you said, that strength training is a critical role in developing yourself as a player. And I also think that that also goes into play with building your mental mindset. So another question for you is how do you think strength training helps athletes mentally?
1: Well, I just think it's another addition to the total package, right? I mean, I don't think it's, it's strength and conditioning is going to be some just kind of magic bullet to help you become mentally tough. Like you're probably doing that through all of your dedication to your sport. And you know, with the with with college athletes, you guys have all the schoolwork and you have all this other thing, plus trying to live a social life to some degree. So, I mean, clearly you prioritize this on a different level than most people, but this just helps create a further discipline, right? A further mm-hmm. mental toughness. Because the, the, to me, the difference is when you're doing your sport, although when you're running sprints, like that sucks, let's be honest, it's not fun, mm-hmm. but you're on the soccer field or you're on the sports field or court, and that's where you want to be, right? That's what you like to do. That's where you want to be. Most people, and i say most because there's people that are kind of crazy like me who like to be in the gym yeah. and do this stuff, but the vast majority of athletes don't necessarily enjoy to be in the weight room but they know the benefits so when you don't want to be somewhere but you know that this is good and important for you to be it just helps cement the mentality and increase the mental toughness to just another degree right so that's where I think it plays a role is because it's not really where you want to be too much um, but you know it's beneficial for your success as an elite athlete Um, and so just knowing that you have to do that I think just cements the toughness that you have about yourself, the mindset, because it's a grind in there and weights can't, aren't fun all the time. It's Mm -hmm. not, it's just not the culture that we provide, I think can be, um, and the the feelings that you get from lifting weight and feeling your body improve are, but the weight process itself is a grind. And especially if you're doing that for so many years. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I feel like obviously the reason why, I mean, a lot of athletes lift weights is to get better on the soccer field. So it's not necessarily the number one priority, but like you said, by staying disciplined and actually going there two to three times a week, it does create a mental toughness, like you said. But I also think that you build a mental toughness when you're lifting heavy weights and you're powering through like a mental block. I mean, we had this situation, like my last day where I tried to get um, 135, and unfortunately, I couldn't get there on the hang clean, but
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Um, when I reflect off of um, my PR, I still got 130 um, from the weeks prior, and I improved by having better form, so there's, like, improvements to look at, and kind of realizing that not overthinking in the weight room can also apply on the soccer field, um, And I've definitely gone through mental blocks where I've been able to push through them. And I'm like, I can't do this. But then you have this mindset where like, I need to push through this. And once you do it, like, kind of solidifies um, and like makes you realize like you can do stuff that you put your mind to.
1: Oh, I I agree 100%. I think you're you're accurate on that statement. Because it can put you into some kind of, depending on, you know, how tough that training is, it could put you in some dark places sometimes where the conditioning might be really tough. Moving all that weight when your body's tired and aching is really tough, but you're right. Over time, that kind of can, can help callous your mental toughness a little bit the more you put yourself in those positions. Now, in, in my role is we have to be cautious of when we can do that and when we can't, right? Because you can't just grind all the time mm-hmm. um, when you're talking about heavy weights. But you know, that will definitely kind of push your mentality to different and new heights. I totally agree with you. And i just love to, uh, to touch up on what you mentioned in terms of our last training experience. Um, I haven't told you this. I think I, I told your dad this, but it's so interesting how that last session turned out. And what I mean by that is we could have gone in there and probably expect like, it's our last training session after seven years. We were kind of just like being a little bit caught up in the emotion of it like this is just a culmination of all of the things that you've gone through and how you've improved and where you're at now and we could have cruise controlled it probably what we should have done maybe i don't know but we went for that pr mm-hmm. and you're right we looked at the pr that you hit at 130 which was better than the time you hit before but then we didn't get the 135 and you were frustrated by it right
0: mm-hmm. and you're
1: frustrated by it and and for me as a coach, I kind of recognized the situation and what you and I did. Other people might have looked at that and like, man, that's too bad that they had to end the session like that. As I reflected after our session, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And the reason why is because I got to coach you in that moment,
0: mm-hmm. like
1: coach, coach, not fluff coach, not just be there, but like, hey, I had to with you. We worked through that difficulty, right? And then we trained. And I was like, what better way to cap off seven years of working together than to actually coach? Like, to me, it couldn't have been any more beautiful. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. Um, And that kind of leads me into my next question. Just how important do you think the trainer-trainee relationship should be in order to reach the intended goals? I mean, I know we've definitely come a long way from the beginning of me training with you to now. So what are your thoughts on that? Crucial. Yeah.
1: Crucial. I'm pretty vocal about that kind of stuff. I mean, just I think life and business and, and coaching and all this stuff is about relationships in general. Um, the more I focused on the rela- the coach-athlete relationship and um, the, the better I've become as a coach, less of, and not to say that these are important, but like the X's and O's, right? Because they are important, no doubt about it. But the more I kind of focused on how can I, how can I um, be there for the athlete? How can I make this an experience where it meets their expectations of being pushed, but also make this a place where I'm looking to get some smiles out of your faces here and there too. Mm-hmm. I want this to be an enjoyable experience. And, and as we do that, I get to learn a lot about each individual's mental makeup, what I can do to achieve the goals that we have. And what I mean by that is you're different than some of my other athletes. Some of my other athletes, are a little bit different than some of the other athletes that I have and although I'm always gonna and I just made like a, a, a social media post about this last week like I'm always gonna be me to a degree but I, t- I have the ability to be kind of a personality chameleon when it comes to you guys and meet you guys with your mental makeup and how you guys are as individuals so some people need a little bit more encouragement some people need a little bit more directness and in-your-face approach and I can't get there right off the bat it takes time to develop those things and so in order to get you where I want to get you from a physical number standpoint and a performance on the field I need to know how I'm going to be able to go through the grind with you day in and day out because those types of physical rewards on elite levels they take time to accomplish. They don't happen in a month. Mm-hmm. And in order to spend that amount of time training, you're gonna need to get to know your athlete and how to push them to success every single day. Days that they're very high in enthusiasm and days that they're very low. And we've talked about this a couple times and I love to use it as an example. It took me two years to really know how to coach you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Two years. <laughs> And that, and you're not the only example of that, but there was a combination. You've been vocal with me about it. You needed to mature a little bit more and want to do that. Right. And that's a valuable point because you were in high school and you were like sophomore in high school. And, and and like a lot of people, that's not where they want to be up front. They want to be on the soccer field. And with me, I need to get better as a communicator to you. I needed to do a couple things that I recognized that I was doing poorly and adjust my philosophies. So as you matured up on this lane and I got better with how I needed to be vocally and from a communication standpoint to you to get what I wanted out of you, then we started to merge together. And that was about the two year mark. And I'll never forget it because I just remember this day. It's like it clicked and we were just off to the races at that point. And it's not like we had bad training before we did it but we just got to new heights at that point.
0: Mm -hmm, Exactly. I mean, I think that personally for me, attitude and like wanting to be committed went into play through a lot of it. Like you said, maturity. I think that sophomore year and beginning of junior year, I was kind of like not super into it. And I would like literally call you and be like, oh, I'm not feeling well. I can't make it. (laughs) But then I was like, wait, I'm not, I'm never going to reach my potential or like, like play at the college level. If I don't switch my attitude and like become more driven and want to do things in order to succeed in other areas of my game. And I think, um, like you said, once I realized that it was off to the races and I think that our dynamic worked so much better once I kind of realized like, this is what I want to do and this is how I'm going to do it.
1: Yeah. And you just hit the nail on the head because I can't do it for you. Right. I can't make you want to be there. And I knew you weren't sick. Right. <laughs> I can't, I couldn't come out and say like, Hey, you're full of it. I know you're not sick, but part of me not wanting to even address that was just because you needed to work through that. Yeah. Right. Now, my job is not to do it for you. And I tell every new athlete I'm not here to do it for you. I'm here to teach you some things. And I'm here to guide you Um, but ultimately you're going to have to walk that that walk a little bit Mm -hmm. and I might have to have some sit down accountability conversations with you from time to time so that you recognize certain things but ultimately you're going to have to self have that self desire to want to do it if you really want to go far with this stuff because I can motivate you for a session a couple sessions but you're going to have to have that fire developed within. And I can't give that to you. So you needed to recognize that. And, we, and that's what you did. And then by doing that, you can take it to heights that I could never take you.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And as we're just like reflecting off of these seven years of us training together, I'm just curious, how have you altered my lifts in accordance to the level of soccer that I was at? Did you maneuver in any way the different workouts?
1: A little bit. Now, you're a unique situation. Now, you, you can handle a little bit uh, more volume, more load, the better and stronger and the bigger what we call training age that you accumulated. Um, you also became much more skilled at particular lifts like the, the Olympic weight lifts. And why I say kind of is because you're, and you're a unique situation. And I wouldn't even say too unique because I have college athletes I do this for all the time. I try to meet a little bit of what my philosophies are with what your coach at your university philosophies are, because you're spending more of the time in their program. So I'm not going to force feed a lot of the things that I like to do. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to go right back when I have you for short windows and breaks and stuff like summer times. And when you're back home, I'm going to try to meet that kind of coach where they're at and what they like to do and your coach and like a lot of collegiate programs they like to do derivatives of Olympic lifting weightlifting movements and then I break it down even further like your hang power clean you did a different technique than I normally teach but I wasn't going to mess with it because Mm -hmm. as soon as you went back to college they were going to put you right back in there so why would I want to screw you up like that it's like trying to change a golf or swing for a month and then they're going to go back to their coach and now they're just messed up yeah. So, I can give you more advanced stuff, I can give you more volume to deal with, um, but then I try to meet what the skill set that you guys were practicing sprinkled in with my own kind of beliefs and what I know about you in the meantime, to keep you physically prepared for when you go back. And that's all my job was, was to keep you physically prepared for when they got to take over. I didn't need to make magic. I needed to get you a bigger what we call base to the pyramid, right? And we didn't need to do crazy, fancy stuff. We had a few things here and there because you had the ability to do like some of these kind of top pyramid section stuff. But the pyramid is only as tall as your base is wide. So we focused, like many of my athletes, 90% of the time of building a big general fitness base because that's going to create the most durability, the most potential for performance. And then when you get to the peak of the pyramid with these specialty stuff that we used to occasionally do, that's gonna have a much greater effect because you've built the big base. So we didn't change a ton. We just got to do a little bit more of that work with you as you got bigger and you got stronger and you got older.
0: Mm-hmm. What about like outside, like can like, completely cancel out what I'm doing in college. I know that you train a variety of different sports and athletes. Do you put someone's workouts specific? Like, do you put them together specific to their sport?
1: Yes but specificity is an interesting topic. Mm-hmm. I don't try to mimic in the entirety of the sports movements. So what are we gonna look at specificity-wise? Well, we're gonna look at the common injuries, right? Of that sport. Common injuries of the history injury history of what you had to deal with. For you, it was a hip flexor issue,
0: Yeah. right?
1: Um, now we didn't touch that too much. You had a therapist doing a lot of that stuff, but generally speaking, we'll look at what are the common injuries of that sport and what are some of the exercises that we can implement to help maybe reduce the likelihood of set injury during the season or the preseason, right? So that's how we will make it specific. Specificity isn't always about mimicking the exact same movements of that sport. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of common exercises that I will spread to athletes of a variety of sports, right? And then I'll intertwine and direct that and start to shift that towards things like well, what kind of uh, energy system do they use when they're running? And they're, you know, are they kind of more of an anaerobic athlete? What's their position like? Do they have to have more aerobics and endurance? Um, they have to have more explosiveness. Do they move left? Do they move right? Or are they more forward and backwards? You know, And there's all these little different nuances that I'll have to kind of break down and determine what are going to fit best for you in the weight room. But I think it goes back to what I previously just talked about, about building that big base generally. I just generally want to get people stronger. I want them to be able to produce more force in small windows of time for my field athletes. Um, And then, you know, what are the injury, common injuries of the sport? We'll start to kind of veer off a little bit. And then what are your own individual goals as an athlete? And then that's how it will change.
0: What would be some examples that you'd add into a potential soccer player strength session?
1: Well, I think eccentric hamstring strength is always... Um, in a running sport and soccer is a running sport is always something that'll be beneficial for reducing the potential for hamstring strains mm-hmm. um, so that would be something like Romanian deadlifts right so that's a good basic exercise to give the hamstring load under a stretch and you know if you're overstriding and that hamstring's at full length then that could be a potential recipe for like a hamstring strain or something like that
0: mm-hmm. so
1: you know we'll want to give that thing some strength through length like that um uh so so that would be an example of one of the things I could do, or you did a lot of single leg RDLs with me because we're trying to strengthen that what we call glute mead, you know, that side glute, right? So um that has a variety of of factors from a health standpoint when you can control that that hip and pelvis and that kind of leads down the chain of the leg to where your your knee doesn't kind of move around so much or your foot doesn't collapse and you're risking a knee injury or something like that. So uh You know, those would be some examples of what we would do in the weight room.
0: Mm -hmm. What about ways to just improve agility? Because I know that when it comes to playing soccer, um, a lot of it has to do with being quick and having agility. So what do you implement into lifts and maybe like plyos or something in order to achieve a high level of agility?
1: Yeah, I work with what my space allows me to work with too. Because you know the space that we had to work with, there were Mm -hmm. other competing people in there taking up space and we had some turf space but we didn't have a lot of room to do a lot of running and cutting type things so a lot of our selected exercises came from increasing your potential speed abilities through the type of weights that we the type of strength training exercises that we selected because that will help induce a lot of stuff so we got you on single leg work a lot the Bulgarian split squats and then there's some different variations that we could do more advanced where you're working speed into those lifts. Mm -hmm. Um, but of course we did a lot of plyometrics with you, right? We did a lot of, uh, quick foot kind of touching shock impact plyometrics. We did some single leg box jumps. We did some hurdle hops, right? Focusing on different things. So those would be some things that, that we did together. You know, if I had some more room to do some other movement-based stuff, we might select some more movement stuff that involved, um, processing skills. So not just setting up cone drills and running back and forth, right? Doing a 5 10, 5 drill, mm-hmm. you already know. It's what we call predetermined pathway. You already know where you're going. Mm-hmm. But in sports, the environment's always changing, right? Like you never know what is going to happen. It's not predetermined process. So we probably would have gotten out and opened up the field a little bit and put you in positions where you had to decide on what was the information I was giving you you'd have to process that quickly and then apply a movement to complete whatever speed or agility task I was giving you right Mm -hmm. so agility when it comes to agility you need to be able to process information and then make a physical move so those are stuff that we would have done back out on the field if we had a little bit more space to work with Mm
0: -hmm. what about like the overall progressions in order to achieve the speed and strength needed to play at the collegiate level. I know that whenever I come home for winter or summer break, we usually only do like a four week block. But I remember when I first came home from freshman year, I came home a little earlier because I was on the semester system my freshman year. So I was there from like May to like end of July. And I know we did a bunch of different blocks of progressions in order to kind of make me faster and stronger.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of different ways you can do that. It's called, you know, if you have a nice, good chunk of training time to work with, you can do what we call periodization, um, where you can focus on a goal, focus on another goal, whether that's strength, then power phase, or an endurance phase. And that's called linear periodization. Mm -hmm. Um, But like you said, it depends on how long we had to work with. So let's say, for example, we had our four weeks that we just worked with. Yeah. I, I was progressing. I didn't really do too much in the program to say to progress you. But what I wanted to see is your progression was how well you were implementing those moves. Were you able to get faster within those moves? So we were focusing on speed progressions, being able to take what I was giving you and move faster. But generally, from a general sense, um, you want to kind of, if you're taking, if you're talking weight room or anything, progress slowly. Don't try to do too much too quickly. Mm -hmm. If you try to do too much too quickly, then you're going to, that's kind of a recipe for some potential things that you don't want to happen happen. Right. So, um, just start slow and build a little bit more at a time, whether that's an extra set the following week, a little bit more weight, an extra couple reps, but do it slow. Don't try to hit home runs right away.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how does nutrition come into play into all of this strength building? Because I know that obviously you can build your strength in the weight room, but from what I've learned, it's kind of like you're not going to really build adequate strength unless you provide the nutrition that should come with it.
1: Well, the nutrition's going to play um, an important part in really any just general fitness or athlete's potential for what they want to do, um, and of course it's really important for you. You're gonna have to get more often than not your carbohydrates in to restore all the the things that you lost during training. You got to get your protein in, of course, because that's your building blocks of repairing and building new muscle. And when you train, a lot of times that's the goal is to build some muscle mm-hmm. because that's gonna have performance benefits on the field but if you're lacking in sufficient protein then you're not going to be able to meet those demands if you're underfed that's a problem because you're not going to be able to fully recover from all your workouts and if you can't fully recover from all your workouts and you're doing that day after day after day then it's probably only a matter of time before you crash or your body just kind of breaks down a little bit and you put yourself at a higher injury risk so you gotta make sure that you replenish what you lost. And then nutrition is always gonna be dependent on what your goals are. If you wanna put on some muscle mass, you have to be ingesting more than you're burning throughout the day. Mm-hmm. You have to meet certain protein numbers. If you wanna lose some weight, you have to be a little bit under what, uh, your maintenance level of calories. So it's gonna, of course, always depend on your goals for how you approach your, your nutrition. But generally speaking, nutrition is going to have a huge impact on what you can do.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that as I reflect off my four years, I think the reason a lot of times the reason why I got like stress fractures was probably because I didn't consume enough, probably calcium and getting enough vitamin D. So I think just having proper nutrition while also lifting is definitely has a lot to do with injury prevention.
1: Yeah, and you want to eat a lot of nutrient-dense foods, not a lot of crap, Mm -hmm. right? Because you can get your calories from crap food, right? But there's not a lot of nutrition in there. So you're missing out on your vitamins and your minerals. Like you said, your calcium, um, your B vitamins, like all those things are going to make your body perform better, like all your internal stuff. So yes, they provide calories, but it may not come with the other benefits of all the nutrients that you need to support optimal skin hair performance internal engine so what you eat is important along with how much you eat
0: yeah exactly um and then this is kind of a random question but i i thought about it the other day and i was like this is kind of weird but
1: yeah,
0: right. i mean like a lot of people have this preconception that lifting heavy will make you slower how can you kind of con- counter argue that? Because I mean, I don't think that's true, but I know that a lot of people feel that way and kind of steer away from lifting during the off season because of it.
1: Yeah, I think, oh uh, man, that's such a, a, a layered question in my opinion, mm-hmm. because there's a, both camps can be correct. Both sides of that equation could be correct. Mm-hmm. If you're just lifting like a bodybuilder, for example, they're lifting to fatigue the muscle, so they're doing things probably at a slower rate. That's probably not going to be where an athlete wants to spend all of their time doing. If your goal for a particular phase, like six weeks out of the whole training year in the off season, is hey, this athlete, like specifically, like say football, right? Mm-hmm. This athlete needs to put on some weight. Yeah. This athlete needs to put on some muscle. Well during those six weeks that's our goal so we're going to do things that promote muscle growth with that being said if that's where i spend all my time that's probably not going to be beneficial for speed development because you're you're moving slow
0: so do you kind of balance that with like other things like plyos
1: so we did right so we did like you can do jumps your speed work i find that as is you're doing some speed work and you're doing some things fast. So we did a lot of medicine ball work,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? So we did a lot of things that were very fast. Um, you did your Olympic lifts. Those are things that are moving a pretty heavy, a heavier base load as fast as you can. So you're talking about different ends of this speed strength continuum. We try to hit all of those things. And I find it generally, if you, if you spend time in both, then you're, you're not gonna be slow because you're doing things that are gonna invoke speed and fast switch fibers and igniting that neuromuscular system to to be fast mm-hmm. but if all you do is spend time just doing those slow bodybuilding type workouts then yeah you're probably not going to be you could have a, a, a negative effect on your performance and speed but if you if you do things that are speed based in the weight room then you won't be slow hmm
0: I feel like that also kind of goes back to like progressions, because I think obviously you need to start off light with maybe higher reps. And then as you progress, you probably have lower reps and then get heavier weight. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's where, why I say this is such a layered conversation because like Dr. Andy Galpin always says, um, the answer is always, it depends. It depends on where the athlete's at in their training age what what you're trying to accomplish in the future long term as well as short term um because you're right if it's if it's an athlete that's learning and they have to start with this stuff well we're not focused on trying to move it fast at that point we're trying to focus on developing solid fundamentals proper technique so that they can do the advanced stuff with the speed and the weights later on and stay healthy with it and so where it can be efficient and productive Mm -hmm. so it just depends right it depends
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you think about like a hang clean, that's obviously moving like fast twitch muscles. And as you progress, you're going to have heavier weight, but you're also still moving fast.
1: Yeah. And if you look, took a brand new person, you said, okay, go put that weight on the bar, do a hang clean. That's the most comp. Those are the most complex exercises that we have in strength and conditioning for the most part. Mm -hmm. Like you're talking about sequencing multiple movements together with weight at a high speed. Like that's, a beginner's not gonna be able to do that. They're gonna have the skill. And you know how I approach the weight room.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I, I use the analogy to your sports all the time. Like, how did you get good at soccer? How'd you get good at kicking the ball or throwing in from out of bounds? How'd you get good at headers? You practice those skills over and over and over and over again. To me, when you come into my weight room, that's our skill, that's our sports skill for that day. If we're deciding that hey, this exercise is going to provide benefit to this athlete and it's worth investing the time to teach them because we think it's going to have that much benefit for them long term, well, that is our skill that we need to practice and practice and practice, and we'll spend that time doing it. So, when it is time and you're advanced, it's going to have speed benefits for us. But if you're early on and you're not good enough with that skill yet, and you try to make it a speed thing I think you're just increasing the risk with not any reward at that point in time
0: mm-hmm. yeah that i mean that goes to playing basically anything if you don't practice you're not going to have the rewards that you're expecting so
1: yeah anytime anytime no matter the level myself included every single day and i've had you for seven years i've had lee for seven years professional athlete he's a prof- you know, professional athlete these guys are good movers nancy She was a a power athlete, competing in power competition. She's a trainer herself. Now she's a boxer and she still trains, but she's one of the best movers I've been around. Mm -hmm. And she's experienced. But every single day out, the message is the same. Work to improve your movement every single day. That is always and forever my message.
0: Mm -hmm. And my last question for you is, which will probably go into play what you just finished off saying is, From someone who has trained multiple athletes, what's one piece of advice you'd give someone who is looking to play at the collegiate level or is currently playing at the collegiate level?
1: Surround yourself with people that are gonna push you. Mm -hmm. This stuff is not easy, right? This is why we are here, people like myself, because we provide an environment that is a positive reinforcer to where you wanna be. It's not just the strength and conditioning, but it's in another addition to you to remind yourself that I need to put in work for a long time to get where I want to go because that is very difficult to do, to play division one or to get even higher than that, to professional levels. That is so incredibly hard to do. And in order to do that, you have to be number one, gifted and talented. You have to work your ass off to do it. You have to practice and put in the time. You have to stay healthy and you're going to have to do things like get in the weight room. So you have to commit yourself. And to commit yourself on that level and put in the amount of time it is necessary to achieve those high levels of sporting success at Division I and the professional level, then you're going to have to do these things for a long period of time. And and you have to come in each and every day, trying not just to go through the motions, but to get better. Mm -hmm. And to do that, you need to be around people, no matter how strong you are independently, you still need to be around people who can help you push yourself. Because you need to do that for a very long time, not a month, not a year, years to even have a chance to get up there. So surround yourself, search for coaches, get around people who are like-minded, get training partners, and just go put in the work.
0: Mm -hmm. I, I completely agree with you. I mean, when I reflect off of my whole soccer career, I do not think I could have done it without coaches like you and even like my family and friends, I think that by having people that push you, it's really difficult to do things alone. And like having someone like behind you saying like, keep going, keep going. I think that makes such a huge difference, such a huge impact. And it'll also influence you to continue to make sacrifices and have a committed attitude in order to achieve your goals.
1: And, and I don't want it, it to be confused with the fact that you, you're not going to do things by yourself because the majority okay. of the time, like you're practicing by yourself, right? You, what you put your body at home, like vast majority of time you're by yourself, but in order to have the by yourself times better, you need to couple that with, with people who are pushing you too. And the saying that I, I say so, so frequently with our guys is, and I'm a big believer in how I run my business with it is if you want to go f- fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, goes a team. So surround yourself with people who have the same mentality and goals that you have.
0: That's a great quote to live by. I'll definitely have to write that down. (laughs) Um, Those are all my questions I have for you today, but before we finish off the show, is there anything else that you want to add?
1: I mean, just a personal touch. I'm just so proud of you and everything that you're doing. I've known you since literally you were like 15 years old. Right, and now you're graduating to Paul. So I've just seen you in so many different phases of your life, and I haven't always been there. Right, you've been in college, you've been away, but um, I've I've gotten to watch you from afar, see how your development has been. I've got to be with you personally in the shop, training, and helping you when you are in town. So um, I'm just so excited for the things that you're doing right now. I want to say keep it up, keep pushing, keep getting better because I think you're doing some really awesome things and I think you have a lot of value to give.
0: Thank you so much. I really appreciate that you came on the show today. Yeah,
1: thanks for having me.
0: For any listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in today. If you want to tune in next week, the podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Music, and of course, Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V. Thanks for kicking it with me on the Women's College Soccer Podcast. See you next week.
1: Yeah, let me show you how we kicking it.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.